Hey everyone, welcome back to Afro-Pagan, Who Are We Really? Steps to Becoming Our God Selves. And this is going to be a little heavy, going to reveal some things. And of course I'm reading from The Akan, Other Africans, and the Sirius Star System by Kwame Adapa. Please get his book. He has at least this book and three others on Amazon. And I've read two of his so far. I'm on the third one. Beautifully written work. Check it out. Anyway, let's get right into it. I'm hoping though, um, we can do a little meditation towards the end because this is, I know this is heavy stuff. And if you're coming from organized religion, this might be a shock to you. Um, so I'll help you out. Okay. So we're on chapter four and uh, Kwame cites work by J.B. Denkwa on the origins of the Akan. So let's get into that. At the very end of this book, The Akan Doctrine of God, Denkwa makes a sort of glossary entry on several terms used in his book. This is also where he first talks about the Akan in great detail. Here's what he has to say. Akan, one of the principal races in West Africa inhabiting the Gold Coast, the Ivory Coast, some parts of French West Africa, up to the old kingdom of Ghana near present Timbuktu, and speaking the Chui language, the word is often pronounced Akane, and it is said to mean foremost, genuine, from Khan first. The best known representatives of the race are the Ashanti, Fanti, Akin, Akwapim, Asin, and several of the present Chui-speaking races of the Gold Coast and Ivory Coast. The original form of the name, Akane or Akana, led to its corruption by the early Arabs of the Sudan into Ghana and by early Europeans who visited the coast of West Africa into Guinea. The Akan people were driven from their ancient home in Ghana on the bend of the Niger by the Almoravides in AD 1076. There was a tradition in Ghana that the people of Ghana had originally come to the West Sudan from a country beyond or near the Taurus Mountains. The current theory that the Ghana or Akane in Taurus was the same as the old Babylonian race known as Akkad, Agade, or Akane, excuse me, Akana, who lived on the Tigris and Euphrates, is strongly supported by the evidence of common features in the language of the ancient race of the modern as also in their customs. Archaeology and anthropology have as yet revealed little, but Sir Henry Rawlinson and other Assyriologists bear testimony to the similarity between the language of Sumer and Akkad and certain African languages, an ancient group which is not Semitic. The Akan people of the Gold Coast have not been written up as well as they could be, but there is everything in favor of the hypothesis that they are an ancient race. 
that their institutions and customs are of ancient origin, for example, seven-day week, and that their sojourn in the Gold Coast, which is less than 900 years, is much shorter than their traceable sojourn as a people in the ancient and modern worlds. Basically, Dan Kua in this glossary entry is trying to make a link between the Akan of present-day Ghana and several ancient cultures, including some of which existed in the Near East in Acadia. Okay. Let's go to 4.3, the Kuku bird clans of the Akan. We have already mentioned the Falcon clan. Its sister clans are the Crow and Parrot clans. There is also the Vulture clan, Asikiri, which is related to the Crow and is sometimes left uncounted as one of the seven main clans since it was formed out of members of the Crow clan. Interestingly, Falcon, Crow, and Parrot have characteristics similar to those given to Falcon, Crow, and Owl, respectively, in the Native American Zodiac. So in reference to this zodiac system, the Asantes, the great Akan warriors, will be the Aries characters, the Akayim, the Libra characters, and the Denkiria, or Tankira, will be the Sagittarius characters. These are some derivations I made on my part, which I found interesting. That is interesting, I think. In his book, Law Transcript, page 148, Robert Morningsky makes reference to the Aku, who are spiritual entities who gave Enki the gift of the feather. Basically, the phrase refers to consciousness. We shall get into the Enki story and genetic experiments, etc., as they relate to the Akan later in this book. Also later in this book, I shall suggest that the Aku are part of what I call the maintenance crew. Guardian beings whose role is to primarily act as emissaries of the supreme creative forces of the galaxy. They are different from other extraterrestrials in that they do not run around colonizing worlds or furthering their particular philosophy or culture. Instead, the Aku and certain other beings like them act as planetary, solar, and celestial guardians. In the Akan language, there are references to the Aku or Ku or Ko. I would suggest that the Ko and Ku are root words that refer to bird in Akan and some other West African languages. So you have the name of the Falcon clan, Ayo Ko, as having the root Ko as a suffix. We have already come across Karoma, root word referring to Falcon. That was in last uh, podcast. In the Akan language, the word for large eagle is okaropon, which I will suggest means great pon, bird, ko. The word for parrot is ako or aku. The word for chicken is akoko, although the last character is more like an inverted C. Actually, the Pleiades star system is sometimes referred to as okokotan, ne ne maba, which means chicken mother and her chicks. This presumably refers to the main star of the Seven Sisters, elsewhere known as Alcyon, which has other stars revolving around it. An article in the additional materials section at the end of the book addresses Akan knowledge of the Pleiades and other stars. Also in the Akan language, there is a bird called Koko Kiyene Eko, which Crystaller's Dictionary, page 245, 
describes as a beautiful dark blue bird. The Asante say it taught them to drum. Rattray says in Ashante page 279, and he quotes from Rattray, the Koko Yinaka is a beautiful dark blue bird that frequents the forest. Osai Kojo, the old drummer, brought me one which I had as a pet. Its call is not unlike the notes of the drums. It is very every drummer's totem. They claim clanship to it and would not eat or kill it. Christoller's Dictionary also says of the word akukua, page 268, a small drum of the king's more esteemed than any other. The word akukua also means butterfly in another context. In the Bambara language, the word for bird is konor. Here we see the same root ko. In the Mandinka language, the word for bird is kuor. This time we see the root ku. Actually, there are other names for birds in the Akan language that do not have the ko-ku roots. The ones listed here are to illustrate the link with the root ko-ku. I'd also like to point out that the Akan group, the Akim, led by the Asona clan, the Crow clan, may be written as Akim or Akuim in the meaning of the M in Robert Morning Sky's two books on the world's oldest religion, especially in book two. He describes the suffix M, plural of the suffix I, which means one who is at the side of, much like a personal assistant or a partner. So M implies those who are at the side of or partners of. I find this to be really interesting and relevant in some ways. Adapa goes on to say, after the Asante and Akium, another large Akan group is the Aquapem. Some African authors have explained the name Aquapem to mean a thousand souls, referring to kwa, soul, and a pem, the akan word for thousand. I will suggest that another way to understand aquapem is to break down the name aquapem into two syllables, aku, apem. This configuration actually fits well. Akuapem in this way means a thousand ones of the bird clan, using Robert Morning Sky's meaning of the word aku. The final point I want to make in this section is that I've often come across similarities between the Akan and Native American groups. For one, Credo Mutwa has already mentioned Kini books, see sources below, which we'll probably get to, that in all his travels, the Native American culture is most similar to the African culture. Similarities between the Akan Asona clan and the Native American group, the Crow, have already been pointed out. In addition, I would like to add that the Akan have some general similarities and parallels with the Salagi or Cherokee. For one, both groups are matrilineal. Both groups also have seven clans and both groups share some totems. Falcon and Akan corresponds to Hawk in Salagi. Dog and Akan corresponds to Wolf in Salagi. Leopard and Akan corresponds to Panther in Salagi, etc. I suspect these similarities arise because both Africans and Native Americans have connections to Sirius and Pleiades star systems. Okay, so Kwame just established that Africans and Native Americans have connections to the Pleiades star system. Some of you may scoff at this information. Some of you may be intrigued. Um, let's go with intrigued. Okay.
Let's go to 4.5. Dictionary meanings for the words akan and khan. Once again, we turn to Christoller's dictionary. Akane, noun, the first foremost or former place, rank, or time at the first before formerly, previously, decon to be first, foremost, to go before con, first. These are the entries from Christoller's dictionary. I'll also add some entries here based on colloquial spoken con. Nakantate word, expression meaning in ancient or even archaic times. This phrase is really interesting when understood within the context of the Syrian tradition. And he goes on to explain, Khan, we have already seen, it means first, but is also related to the Syrians. Te, T-I, has reptilian origins. This one means ancient, archaic. Sometimes the Akan, when they speak of really ancient things, do not say Nikan Tete. They only say Tete, such as the phrase Tete Sem, which means ancient history. And Robert Morningsky's work, Books 1 and 2 of the World's Oldest Religion, T refers to reptilian females, and in particular to the sound made by a spitting, poisonous reptilian female. I find it really interesting, he says. That words for first ancient and archaic in the Akan languages have direct references to Syrians and reptilians. On page 121 of Robert Morningsky's book, One of the World's Oldest Religions, he says, the frightening hiss and the deadly spit of venom eventually became the hallmark of the queens and their female warriors. So much so that the sound of the spit itself, when in time come to mean reptilian female all on its own, the female reptile warriors, the most feared warriors in the stars of the ninth realm, became known as the it from where life comes, and the attitude to where life returns, or death. The reptilian females were life and death itself. The queen of the empire, as the highest female and the ultimate symbol of deadliness of the titit female, came to be known as the titit. And in keeping with the tradition of kings and queens of the stars who doubled their names to show their regal power, the queen doubled her title to become the Tititit or the Titai. Some star people would come to know her as the Titai. Let us look at a second Akan phrase, Dia Edikan phrase, which means that which is first, that which leads comes first. So Robert Morning Sky on the con 4.6. And another of those revealing things he says in his book, La Transcript, Robert sheds more light on who these con are on page 35 of the book. Assyrian people, what is their galactic name? Now I know I told you they were known as Khan or Khan Us, that's true. I need to correct that and let you know that Khan Us is a human name for these beings. So Syrian people are were known to humans as the Khan or the Khanas. In Robert Morningsky's other book, The Star Warrior Papers, the star elder Bekti, star warrior being from the Pleiades star system, for example, an extraterrestrial from the Pleiades, who interacted with Robert Morningsky and his Native American mentors, continuously refers to the Syrians as the Asa'ar-U throughout this book. It is safe to resume that this is the galactic name for the Syrian people, the name with which other extraterrestrials in the galaxy refer to the Syrian people, Esa'aru. 
Similarly, the galactic name for the reptilians from Orion is Ariane, Sa'a, or simply the Sa'a. According to Robert Morningsky, the Syrians call themselves Ar-Ar-Ar, while the Orion reptilians call themselves Sa'a. In the Mande languages, Mandinka Bambara, to mention too, the word for snake is Sa'a. Or Sa. Khan can be seen as Ka'an in Robert Morning Sky's book two, The Root Ka refers to reptilian male warriors. Robert says in book two that Ka is the sound that reptilian drone warriors made before descending on their foe on the battlefield. They were deadly. An refers to Anu and his bunch of Syrians. I suggest that Ka'an means male reptile warriors. For example, they fight for the Orion Queen, that's what matters, of the people of An. More on why the Syrians fight for the Orion army later in section two of this book. <sighs> so it appears we may have some Syrian origins, pleading origins. And by the way, I frequent quite a few uh, people who channel Pleiadians, and they always portray them as European looking. I have to question that. Anyway, back to the story, back to the book. Let's look at the root word Ka'an, and you'll see some familiar words in here, especially when we get to the Egyptian section. Here we go. In Robert's book, One of the World's Oldest Religion, pages 268 to 270, he analyzes the root word Khan, giving entries from the Egyptian Hieroglyphic Dictionary, Budge 1920. For brevity, I shall only list some of the Egyptian words and their meanings below. The page numbers refer to pages in Budge. So words relating to God. Kenu, a fighting God, page 577b. Kenar, a name of Apep, the great serpent of evil, page 531b. Ken Set, a serpent god, page 577a. Words relating to priest. Kenu, an officiating priest, page 548b. Kenu, most sacred part of a temple, page 573a. Words relating to warrior. Kenu, to destroy, page 573a. Ken. Warrior, Soldier, Man of War, page 772a. Quenni, A Strong Man, Something Strong, page 772a. Quen Quen, To Fight, Battle, Beat, To Strike, Beating, Fight, page 772a. Quen Quenu, Fight, Battle, page 772b. Ken, To Disturb, To Trouble, To Rebel, To Violate, page 577a. Kenny, Disturbance, Disturber, page 549b. Ken, to stir up trouble, to bewail, page 549b. Kenin, Fight, Struggle, Rebellion, page 531b. Now on pages 265 to 276 of book one, Robert goes into some of the Egyptian words relating to the root ka As above, the page number refers to pages in Budge's book. Words relating to God. Ken, he whose name is unknown, page 546. 
Quan Mao, Creator, God of Creating. Quan Nao Er, Great Creator. Quan Mamu, the Creator. Kemet, Goddess of Destruction. Kem, God of Procreation and Generative Power. Words relating to priests. Kamu offices, page 531, thir- five excuse me. Kemau, a class of workmen, laborers in general, page 547. Kem, holy of holies, shrine, sanctuary, page four, 546. Words relating to warrior. Kem, to suppress, to make, to bow, page 535. Kam, to attack, to force, to injure, to break down. Kema, to lay hold, to possess, to grasp, to seize, to contain. Kemi, to overthrow, to push over, to destroy, to attack destroyers. Kemut, overthrow. Kem-kem, to overthrow, to break. Basically, the point of all this is to illustrate the relationship between the root word Kam, the beings from the star system Sirius, and the Akan and other African tribes in general. The suggestion I am trying to make here is that the Africans, while in the employ of the Syrian extraterrestrials, likely acted as priests and warriors or both, warrior priests or warrior sages of the Sirius star beings. This is why so many of the meanings tied to the root Khan, Cam, refer to gods, priests, and warriors. This will tie in with my hypothesis, Kwame Adapa's hypothesis, in this essay that the African tribes, the Akan included, in ancient times probably acted as warriors and or priests of the extraterrestrial beings from Sirius. Wow. That just ties it all together. (sighs) There's really no going back from after hearing that. I mean, either, either it resonates with you or it doesn't. Okay, let's go to hmm. Evidence of Blacks in Egypt and Samaria, Robert Morning Sky Bio. So here we go. Um, Kwame Adapa says, I wondered about what Danqua said in the text just quoted. It seemed a bit far out to connect Akan people in present-day Ghana, Africa, with people who lived a long time ago, 400, excuse me, 4,000 BC in some cases. I didn't think about this issue again until some information came my, came my way. I was once reading a book entitled Chaldean Magic by a French author, Francois Lenormand, with the book together from some translated clay tablets. Now let's deviate for a little bit to the book, Wonderful Ethiopians of the Ancient Kush. And uh, this is a pretty amazing book. The author's name is Drusilla Dungy Houston, and this is uh, book one of, it, of its series, and she focuses on the nations of Kushite Empire and Ethiopians and how the Ethiopians have spread. So 
Let's get to that page. I like doing research. I'm a natural born researcher. Sometimes I get it wrong, but most of the time I'm like, oh, that's amazing. So let's see. Um, the Strange Races of Chaldea. The foundations of ancient Chaldea were laid as early as those of Egypt. In fact, they were the sister colonies of a parent state. The earliest civilized inhabitants were Sumerians. 5000 BC, the land was full of city-states. The Sanskrit books of India called Chaldea one of the divisions of Kusha Dwipa, the first organized government of the world. These Sumerians were the inventors of the cuneiform system of writing, which was later adopted by their Semitic conquerors. In the later days, their language was still cultivated in the ritualistic services until the time of Alexander the Great. It is thought that this civilization originated from southern Susiana. The pictorial hieroglyphics which made the cuneiform characters were probably invented in Elam. In Babylonia, however, this culture underwent a rapid development. The northern division of Babylon was called Akkad. Comprehending Babylon, the southern Sumer, including Eric and Ur. North of Akkad were the Semitic tribes which so largely made up the blood of Assyria in later days. The Babylonians were further mixed by Elamite and Kassite conquerors or conquests. What was the original race of these Sumerians, Kassites, and Elamites? Recent explorations upon these sites is giving much light upon the subject. The finds prove that the records and traditions of antiquity were in perfect accord with these new discoveries. The history of Babylonia, like that of most nations, begins with a myth. But we are beginning to realize that a deep significance lies beneath old myths. Ten kings appear in the primitive annals, corresponding with the ten patriarchs of the Hebrew scriptures and the ten rulers of Egyptian chronology. Enormous cycles of years accompany their reigns, so do they in the scriptures and the findings of geology accord. These come down to the Zisuthros of Greek tradition, our Noah. At his death, colonies under the leadership of Titan, or Nimrod, arrived in the plain of Sumer and essayed to build a tower that would scale the sky. On this spot at Babylon stood the temple of Anu. Anu got around, obviously. Anyway, back to the book. Then in these early Babylonian traditions follow the names of Gilgamesh, the Melkarth of Tyr, and the Hercules of Greece, identified with the name of Nimrod of the Hebrews. The epic of the adventures of Nimrod was preserved in the library at Erech and is identical with the Twelve Labors of Hercules. What significance lies under this common hero under the names of the greatest of the demigods of Egypt and Greece? This overlapping of the genealogy, genealogy of antiquity shows that these heroes, Bel, Gilgamesh, Melkart, Hercules, belong to a common race. Belus, or Nimrod, king of Chaldea, serves to unite the Chaldeans with the old race of the upper Nile as does their building the Temple of Anu, another name of the original Kushite family. It was for this reason that Greek and Armenian geographers applied the name of Ethiopia to Medea, 
Persia, Susiana, and Arya, or the entire region between the Indus and Tigris in ancient days. The records of the Hebrews connected the Chaldeans, Ethiopians, and Egyptians in ties of kinship, and the findings of archaeological and philological research proved those records true. Rawlinson mentions a Kushite inscription found in Susiana, in which there is a date going back nearly to the year 3200 BC. The language of later Babylon was Semitic, but that of the earlier Chaldean monarchy was different, as can be proved by the inscriptions upon the ruins. They are distinctly Hermetic and lack the Hymnuritic of southern Arabia. All the earliest traditions of Chaldea center about Belus or Nimrod. We know that Nimrod was the son of Cush. Babylon had two elements in her population in the beginning. The northern Akkadians and the southern Sumerians were both Cushites. The finds of recent explorations in the Mesopotamian Valley reveal that these ancient inhabitants were black. With the cranial formation of Ethiopians, on linguistic grounds, a relationship with Turanians proves untenable. The Turanian is one of the oldest races of the world. Some historians attempt to suggest that Noah might have had other sons after the deluge. We do not have to introduce other races to understand the Turanian family. They were an important branch of the Japhetic race, just as Cush became the name of an important branch of the Hermetic family. There you go. The Chaldeans were black. Okay. Back to the Akan, other Africans in the Sirius star system. So Kwame says, I noticed that in some of the incantations, the people were referring to themselves as the black head. They were also making a lot of prayers to a god named Hia or Ia Enki, who was their god. This book is wild. Some of the incantations are really ancient, dealing with ancient nature spirits and gods parentheses, extraterrestrials, close parentheses, best not to mess with such things without the appropriate purpose, guidance, or knowledge. The texts, especially the prayers and such, are, however, a good historical source. And I concur with Kwame Adapa here. Who are you praying to? on with the book. What really struck me though was a statement by Robert Morningsky that I came across while reading La Transcript, a snippet on Robert Morningsky. Robert Morningsky is an Apache Hopi Native American who is mentored by a man called Dar Ene, Dar Ene and five other Native American warriors rescued a being originating from the Pleiades star system who crashed his spaceship after it was shot down by the gray reptilians or Ragillian beings who have a lot of control on this planet. This is from La Transcript, page 165. This was around the Roswell period. In exchange for the help he received from his rescuers, he, the being gave these Native Americans some first-rate information. 
So Kwame Adapa says, I shall quote excerpts from pages 30 to 32 of Robert's book, The Star Warrior Papers, to give you an idea of why the Star Warrior, Bekti, was here. The book itself presents an altogether fascinating account. Okay. Elder, he wanted to pursue a different topic. Can you tell us why you are here in this place? Midnight leaned forward. He wanted to know this too. Yes, Elder, he added his own voice to the question. Can you tell us why you are here on earth? The Elder looked at them strangely. The being is telepathic. I am a warrior from my world. I am here because of the war in your skies, the war over your heads. A war, Elder? Apache boy set forward. Who is at war? Who, what are they fighting over? The war is over your world. Who wins the war wins the planet and its people. The six young men were stunned. The elder lowered his head, looking at the ground. Damn, Apache boy said. Then what the elder said was true, Lindo said. They all looked at each other. Sadness came over them. None of the six spoke for quite some time. The wind whispered gently through the trees. Birds flew overhead. A squirrel played on a branch nearby. The six of them did not hear. The silence was deafening. Elder, it was midnight who broke the silence. What will your side do with man if you win, he asked. We will do nothing. Man will choose his own path. Hmm, I personally not too sure about this one. <laughs> Phew, whispered Bear. I did not think the elder to be one of the bad guys, but for a moment, elder, midnight asked meekly, who do you fight? A race of the elder paused, searching for the right word. A race of beings with not warm blood. Reptile beings. Reptiles? Okay. Why do you fight them? Bear asked. Apache boy was not too sure he wanted to hear the answer to his question. The reptiles took this world away from its keepers. It is the keepers who wore reptiles to gain back this world. The keepers are the Syrian reptiles. The reptiles are the greys, regalians, draconians. And the keepers would free man, asked Midnight. The elder looked at Midnight. The keepers seek to control man and his world again. But you said your side would not control man, Apache boy remembered. I do not fight for the keepers. He fights for the pleadings. The keepers and the reptiles are pretty much on the same side, despite disagreements. Oh boy. Apache boy was confused. Elder, he wondered, if you are not with the keeper race or the reptile race, then why do you fight? We fight to remove the hand of the reptiles on your world. Bear's eyes were wide open. Reptiles, reptiles have a hold on our world? He was upset. Are not human beings running our world? Is it true? Are people under the control of reptiles, Elder? It is so. Where are they? Who are they? Midnight Press. Why do we not see them, these reptiles? They hold place as rulers of this world. What? Midnight almost exploded. Our leaders? How is that possible? We have no reptiles in government. How? So Kwame Adapa ends the excerpt there. And he goes on to say, The six Native Americans later trained a bunch of children who called the six their grandfathers. Robert Morning Sky was one of the eight children trained to become a warrior. The task of the children was to conduct much research expanding on the teachings of Bekti and then to spread the knowledge gained from the Star Elder and from many other sources with mankind. 
Robert's experiences included meeting this plating being Beck T, and together with some of the other trained children, now all adults, wrote several amazing books detailing his research on the Sirius and Orion star systems, among other things. Most of his books are now out of print or very hard to find. In any case, let us return to our discussion. I brought Robert up because of something he wrote in his book, La Transcript, which is related to the Black race. Robert Morningsky, La Transcript, page 153. The first man was the Black man. In fact, Egyptians, though many of those were not, referred to themselves as the Black-headed or Blackfoot people. They were the original Blackfoot, but they remembered long ago they were Black. Wow. Okay. I think here what RMS is referring to are Robert Morning Sky. As the first man is what Credo Mutwa calls the creation of the second people, the black race. Let me point out that Robert Morning Sky is implying to the first man as humans are today, i.e. the current human that resulted from extraterrestrial and guardian genetic experiments. There have been other humans on this planet in the past. Also, Blackfoot refers to the Native American people. Robert Morningsky suggests that the original Blackfoot were Blacks. So Kwame goes on to say, So for me, although I had read other sources and heard from other people claiming that there were Blacks in ancient Egypt, it was not until I read this that there was a click in my consciousness. Okay. Is there a click in your consciousness as well? Does it resonate in your heart? Because this is, when I first read this, uh, the top of my head blew off. I just couldn't, it was wonderful. It was terrifying at the same time. And I wanted to read more and I wanted to do more research. And I have, and I'm still researching to this day. It wasn't that long ago when I bought this book. It was like uh, early winter, this past early winter. So, and I read Zachariah Sitchin's book when I was like 19 or 20, which was umpteen years ago. And I, I wasn't ready to deal with what was in that book. I read it all the way through from cover to cover. And it shocked me. It knocked me on my ass. And I threw the book because I wasn't ready. Now, I'm ready. And it resonates with me. After partially reading Credo Mutwa's Indaba, My Children, reading New Age Bible of Mother Africa, which is amazing, and then reading the Akan Other Africans in the Sirius Star System, and his second book, The Guardians, I just have a feeling this is true. This is our real history. And I really wish... African Egyptologist would expand and really dig into this angle 
of our shared African past. It's important. This is a paradigm shifting topic. You can't go back after this. But that, hey, and maybe you, maybe you can, maybe, you know, you're fine doing organized religion and, you know, but when the truth is staring you in the face, do you really have it in you to turn away from it? Do you really have it in you to turn away from it? If if somewhere in the back of your mind, it's like, this could be true. Something is whispering, oh my God, this could be true. If you feel like you're shaking inside, like the ground is shifting, like your core is, is as if your core is in a blender and it's being circled and circled and, and, and crashing against the walls of the blender. You need to investigate that. You need to follow that emotion. You know what I mean? Investigate for yourself. I mean, I'm not Afro-pagan for nothing. I, I have spirit guides. I have a power animal. Most definitely I have a power animal. And I have had help from other spirit guides. I have two. I have power animal and my spirit guide. And I've had help from another spirit guide who she has given the reins over to someone else to assist me in my spiritual awakening. And I know there is a goddess God. I don't call goddess God he. Because I'm not down with the patriarchy. But I am aware, I accept that in order to create, you have to have the male and the female. So I say goddess God. Or I say source or the universe. So don't get it twisted. I know there's a a higher power, a greater entity that has birthed this whole universe. But I do not worship extraterrestrials. They can guide me, they, they can assist me, but I'm not worshiping. No, 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 no. So if this is all jarring, I want you to right now get into a comfortable position. Take a deep breath for five seconds. Hold it for five seconds. Exhale for five seconds. Do that 10 times and say to yourself, I am a sovereign being. 
the truth I will embrace. Keep saying that. And you will be okay. So let's just take a moment and meditate. Breathe in for five seconds or six seconds or seven seconds, whatever your lung capacity is. Hold it for five, six, or seven seconds. Slowly let it out for five, six, or seven seconds. Again, breathe in for five, six, or seven seconds. Hold for five, six, or seven seconds. Exhale. Again, breathe in, hold, exhale, hold, breathe in, hold, Exhale, hold. Whatever thoughts come up, let them come up. Observe them from afar and let them go. Keep breathing, keep holding, keep exhaling. If you feel a, a little twitch here and there of a muscle, that's a sign that your body, your mind is letting go. It's okay. Keep breathing. exhaling. Once you finish the 10th exhale, breathe normally. And say to yourself, I am a sovereign being. I am a sovereign being. I will embrace the truth. I will know the truth in my heart, in my mind, in my gut, your three brains. And there you go. I know this is uh, a shock, it's a blow, it's okay. Message me and we'll talk. Okay. This is the Afro Pagan. And the next podcast, we'll go on and talk about 
be a con as the black-headed and the black-footed people. And I urge you to get some of the books that I, I've mentioned and read from in addition to the con other Africans and the Sirius star system. Do your research. Do your research. Okay. And you might want to check out the Pleiadians and the Australian Aboriginals. There's a link there. And the Hopis. I don't think the Pleiadians solely look like European Europeans from Sweden. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And I will catch you all next time. Peace.